you'll turn to First uh, Peter chapter three. We're continuing our study of First Peter, study that we're calling weird. Uh, we will be celebrating uh, today, uh, Corey and Becky and Aslan, and during Sunday supper, uh, we have Sunday supper together every Sunday, the first Sunday of every month. We'll be celebrating that today as well, and we're grateful for him and. Becky and Aslan, and, and we will be saying that uh, specifically uh, today at noon. Hope you can stay for that. Let me read uh, as they're headed out. If you're visiting today and your children are four years old to fifth grade and you want to go with them and see where we take them, we understand that. Please go with them. We have security there with them. Pastor Corey is there with them, but I understand that can be a daunting task to send your kids off. So please go with them if you want. And uh, please feel free to do that um, if you're comfortable with that. While they're headed out, turn with me again, verse 7 of chapter 3 of 1 Peter. L- listen, listen to, last week we looked at verses 1 through 6, and today we're just going to look at verse 7. You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker, since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Messages such as last week, if we're honest, messages such as this week uh, can be difficult. Certainly not, you know, fun things to preach, if you will. I enjoy preaching the Word, don't hear me saying this, but certainly not tickling your ears. They're heavy. And, and Pete, just as Peter addressed women and we looked at that last week head on. Today he dresses men, addresses men head on. And Peter will tackle men's sinful inclinations here in one verse. And we'll get to you know, the questions, well, why did women get this many verses? And men, did, we're going to deal with all that. I hear you. I hear you. We're going to deal with this as much as we can. And we saw last week that, again, women, the, the, because of the fall, you go back to Genesis, because of the curse of sin, Women have a tendency to want to control their husbands. Whether it's through beauty, whether it's through taking the power. And unfortunately, men, go back to Genesis 3, again 16, men respond by leading poorly. Amen. Who said that? There you go. Captain Bob. It's a, it's a result of the curse. And unfortunately, unfortunately, our poor leadership and our our are our men living this out, living out male headship wrongly becomes what the world really thinks about biblical headship. And really, my fear is we're portraying the wrong picture. We're portraying the wrong picture. And unfortunately, men, even professing Christian men, our tendency is to lead poorly. Our tendency is to lead selfishly, to, to domineer over, over a woman and demand, maybe be demanding instead of sacrificial. And our world clings to these poor pictures and, and uh, assails the Bible. And, and if we're honest, we've helped. If we're honest, we've helped cultivate a, a, an, an environment that has an inaccurate picture of what the Bible says about male headship and male leadership. We've painted an inaccurate picture. And male, males dominating and leading poorly and, and, and how we... Le- Listen, that's not the heart of God. That's not what God designed. 
trying to control each other through sinful behavior is not what God designed. God designed a, a beautiful, harmonious picture of a man leading a woman sacrificially, a woman following that man, submitting to that man sacrificially, two individuals both looking at sacrificially out for the needs of each other, all under, under the bigger picture of reverence for God, as we'll see that. And unfortunately, that's not the picture that is being portrayed. Self-sacrifice, love, denying self, that's not, that's not what even the church is known for when it comes to male headship. And so in spite of what the world may think, the Bible says, or in spite of what we've portrayed the Bible as saying, inaccurate as it is, or how the world even intentionally distorts what the Bible says, I want to look today at what the, what the Bible actually says. That's a novel idea. Let's look at what it actually says. Let's break it down. And main point, a main point again, main point here, same, it's the same motive as we saw last week for women. Verse 7, you husbands in the same way. Listen, out of reverence for our Lord, all of this, just like it did last week for, our, for wives, out of reverence for our Lord, husbands are commanded to live with their wives in an understanding way. As she is a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that the husband's prayers will not be hindered. Understanding way. Last week, it was the, the fun topic of win them over without a word. This week, husbands, for you, it's live with your wives in an understanding way. What does that mean? That's, that's, what, I wanna, that's what I wanna expose today. And I wanna give us an accurate picture. So, so look there on your handout, number one, point number one, and we're gonna break this verse seven down in three points, three ways. Like any good Baptist preacher, we're gonna do three points. Husbands are commanded to seek to live with their wives in an understanding way out of reverence for God. I, I wanna be very fair. If, if you, when you break this passage down, listen, you, I could preach almost the same sermon this week as I preached last week. With a little bit of tweaks. Paul, he's, Peter is saying the same things here. And look at what he says. You husbands in the same way. What did he say last week in verse 1 of chapter 3? You wives in the same way. Listen. Chapter 2 verse 13 through 25 is the context. All of this flows out of a reverence for God. A husband's no, number one. Reverence for God. Chase after God. Live your life in fear, in fear of God. That's what we have saw in verses 13 through 25. That's the why. How, how society views Christianity. How society views our God. The reputation that we have. Again, I, I have a letter sitting on my desk and a note from the teachers from Martinez thanking us for painting and doing the landscaping and and, and the, the principal there was very gracious in their staff meeting this past week of, for what many of us were, were there last Saturday. That's why we do what we do, that they would have nothing bad to say about us. That, that the church, that God's people would have a good reputation in the community. Listen, that's also why wives submit to their husbands and why husbands lead the way they do, to declare the excellencies of, of our great God. First and foremost, 
This is about giving glory to God. This is about living in fear of our great God. This is about not wanting to do anything to malign the name of our great God. This is is about the advancement of the gospel. Same, Same exact thing that I said last week with regards to the wives. Husbands, same thing. And and I'll say it again, and I think it bears repeating because it's something all of us battle with. You and I do not want to submit to what God says. As sinners, we do not want to simply submit to what God says. We want to do it our own way. We think we know better, and it goes back to Genesis. Adam and Eve ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. As a result of eating from that, no longer would they simply submit to what God says was good, and to what God says was evil. Now you and I, as we're their, we're their um, relatives, we have that same nature. We want to determine that same sin nature. You and I want to determine what is right and what is wrong. You and I want to determine how to do things. We don't want to submit. And, we, and even, even in the garden, when Adam and Eve sinned, no longer was it okay to be naked. No longer did God give Eve as a helpmate. No longer was the fellowship with God. No, they were hiding. They covered themselves. They were blaming each other. Total opposite of what God had already said was good. Now they're calling it evil. And at the end of the day, listen, that's where all sin boils down to. Will I submit to what God says is good, and will I submit to what God said is evil? Will I submit? And again, Isaiah 55, 8, 9, God's wisdom is not like ours. It's higher than ours. And, and, and as believers, we simply, we, in faith, you see that on your handout. This is the same point I made with, our, uh, with regards to the passage last week. We must remember that everything about our lives is rooted in faith. In submitting ourselves to God first. Faith that God knows what is best for us. Faith that the authority and submission are good. Faith that is rooted in the character of God himself. Faith in creation and how God has created order. And God created male headship and male fellowship. And it's not about inequality. It's not about unequal worth. It's about creation. God did that on purpose. And the issue behind even this passage, just as we said last week with regards to our wives, the core fundamental underlying issue behind this passage is is the lordship of Jesus Christ. Is Jesus Christ Lord of your lives? Or are you Lord of your life? Is there a competition for who reigns? Is there a competition for who gets the glory? Listen, we don't, I said it last week, we do not follow Jesus because we can make sense of his commands. We follow Jesus because he's Lord. Okay? We don't just get to follow the ones that we like. We don't just get to follow the ones that we agree with. We don't come to the Bible and say, you know what? Let me see what it says, and then I'll decide whether I want to follow. That's not submission. Regardless of what it says, regardless of what I feel about it, regardless of whether I like it, regardless of how much it hurts or what it costs, he's Lord. And Jesus said this same thing in Luke 6, 46. He says, why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? It makes no sense. If he's Lord, and you, that means you and I aren't, then our responsibility is to submit to him, not to question him. Not to wait and see if we like it. Not to wait and see if it makes sense. 
Listen, if you and I have to be convinced of every issue before we'll obey, then listen, you do not grasp the Lordship of Jesus Christ. My, my, my disposition as a follower is to follow. It's to follow. It's to, in faith to trust. Listen, you, you know, we don't vote on it. We don't, we don't take a poll. We come to the word with a spirit of submission and we say, whatever it says, Lord, I will do it by the power of the spirit living in me. And God has put his spirit in us to, oh, to cause us to walk in and obey. Again, even Philippians 2, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Listen to this, but it says, for it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Who's really doing it in the life of a believer? It's God. It's the Spirit. But it's, but it's, first of all, we've got to deal with the issue of lordship. Who's Lord? Who's sitting on the throne of our lives? Men. We, we said this last week about the women, but men. Who's sitting on the throne of your life? What's the motive What's the reason behind everything you do? To whose glory are you doing it for, men? And what Peter says is it's reverence. First of all, reverence for God is what fuels this. Caring about His name, caring about His reputation, caring about how a lost world around you sees your God. Reverence. In the same way, husbands, same way as He said, in the same way you wives be submissive. In the same way, husbands... Again, Peter is writing to a world that held out an attitude where women were inferior to men. And God, through Peter, is elevating the roles here beyond the social norms. What he's writing here would have been very countercultural. And yet, it's very biblical. P Peter is writing men from a very, from a very practical standpoint. If you want the theology of it all, go back and read Ephesians 5. Paul argues male headship and women submission from a very theological standpoint, rooted in, rooted in God and Christ and the church. So if you want the theology of it all, go read Ephesians 5, 22 through about 33. But that's not Peter's point here. Peter is giving an apologetic. Peter is giving a defense. For how this looks. He's not explaining the theology of it all. As much as the practicality of it all. Again these are believers who are living in a foreign land. Who are being persecuted. Who needed to stand firm in the grace of God. And that's what Peter was giving them. He's showing them grace. And fueling them with grace. So that they will stand firm. And he's saying revere God. More than anything else. Men get this settled. Who, who, is, who is Lord of your life? Same issue we said last week with our wives. Reverence. But, but not only reverence, look at number two. Husbands are commanded to seek to live with their lives in an understanding way out of reverence for God. Listen, knowing that while God created men and women differently, our wives are fellow heirs of the grace of life. He says, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she is a woman and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Listen, there's a lot of, of little, like, little landmines here. Weaker. Someone weaker. Go preach that out on the street corner. Weaker. What does he mean? Since she's a woman. Again, the, he's saying 
husbands, husbands, live with your wives. The first thing he says is an understanding way. The phrase understanding literally means according to knowledge. Another translation here would say be considerate of your wife. Husbands, you know how you're to handle your wife? You're to be considerate. The, 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 the side note here, if you're, if you're here and you're single, before you check out, understand the word here for wife can also mean the word for woman in general. Whether you're single or whether you're married, listen, this is how you're to treat a woman. Don't check out and say, well, I'm not married, so this doesn't apply to me. No, no, no. You have a son? This is how you're to train him up to treat a woman. You single? This is how you're to treat a woman. Period. Now, he's addressing husbands, but, but the context is wives. But, but even if you don't have a wife, tune in. Start, start treating women this way now. You want to be, a, again, back to last week. This is why I said you want to be, last week we talked about what real beauty was. Men, you want to know what's really attractive? Treat a woman this way. You, you want to attract a godly wife? Treat a woman this way. Start today. Start with your sisters in your home. Start with your sisters in Christ. Hey, start with your mom. Start with your grandma. Understanding way. And again, Peter is saying, are, are men, live with them in an understanding way. Why would you need to do that? Because listen, men and women are different. This just in. Men and women are different. But does different always mean better or worse? No. The world wants you to think that. It doesn't mean better or worse. Karen and I are very different on a lot of topics. Our kids are very different. It's not a better or worse. Better, look, different doesn't mean lesser or greater. It's pointing back to reverence for God and His design for how He created men and women. It starts again with submitting to God and how He designed men and women. Understand and submit to that first. Out of reverence for God and His design, live with your wives in an understanding way. And the word here, you see it on your handout. This is a personal, intimate knowledge of your wife gained through study and intentional gaining of knowledge. Literally, Peter is saying, be an expert student on your wife. Study her, men. Know her likes, know her dislikes, know her needs, know her nature, know her dreams, know her desires, know what matters to her. And when you're leading, when you're making decisions, take those into consideration. Lead with those characteristics of your wife that you have learned lead with those in mind and again just as we said last week this will look different in different homes but the husband and the wife are to work this out listen i, I don't care if an, if your neighbor's husband if your if your buddy golfs all the time and his wife doesn't care you know what that matters to you does your wife care if your wife cares it don't matter what she cares because your wife cares. That's living with your wife in an understanding way. Hey, you may have a friend whose wife doesn't care if he goes out three or four nights a week with the boys and stays out all night. Here's the only thing that matters. Does your wife care? Does your, because if your wife cares and it bothers your wife, here's your answer. Stop doing it. Stop doing it. 
Does your wife care? Live with your wife in an understanding way. Work it out. Know your wife. Live with her accordingly. That, that's leadership. That's male headship. And again, you see it on your hand now. God has given men the position of authority to serve God and their spouse, not themselves. This is an authority. This is a position of servanthood. Again, if you were to go back to Ephesians 5, you know what it says of husbands? It says, give your wife up for them as Christ gave himself up for the church. Give yourself up. You know what that means? Die. Die to self. Die to self. For the good of your wife, for the good of your husband, I mean, for the good of your family, not for the good of the husband, that's not the problem. For the good of the family, die to self. You, you serve God, you revere God by living with your wife in an understanding way. You love God through loving your spouse, specifically how, your God, how God has wired your spouse, according to her specific needs, her specific disposition. And part of these differences, again, this is where we get into the, again, the, the, the troublesome language of this, just, I can't think of the right word right now, but part of these differences involve weaknesses. And, and listen, understand, the word used here was a common word in Paul's day. It was a well-known word that was used here. And, and this is where the world takes all kinds of accusation at Christianity. Again, this language was common in Paul's day. They knew exactly what he was saying when he said that. And yet, and again, but Peter is taking it in a gospel-centered direction. As we said last week, he's, he's subverting culture, but, but he's doing it in a way that doesn't cause chaos. He's understanding the culture and, and he's, aligned, he's saying, look, Christian, here's how you can live in your culture and not cause chaos, but also not conform to the culture either. And that's weird. And, and the culture, the context rather, would inform us on how to interpret this. And, and we, we read this and we get all up in arms and we hate the Bible and we get all riled up. Listen, husbands are to handle their wives as with someone weaker. But clearly, again, that's not inequality because keep reading. But treat her, but show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. So whatever he's saying here has nothing to do with inequality. Whatever he's saying here has nothing to do with value or worth. Listen, I mean, we're going to get in, but listen, probably apart from me and my wife, most husbands in here could come up, and if we had a bench press contest, who would win? The husband. Now, Karen might beat me. But for the most part, listen, for the most part, are men physically stronger? Now, the Reebok CrossFit games are going on. I don't let Karen watch that stuff because that ain't how men are supposed to look. Like, Karen, men don't look like that. They can't do all that stuff. Stop looking at that. Listen, are men typically stronger than women? Nod your head up and down. Are they typically physically stronger than women? Who designed that? Amen. You see what Peter's saying? That's all he's saying. You see it on your handout. Women are generally weaker in their physical strength when compared to men. 
You go to Jeremiah 18, Acts 9, Romans 9. The word here regularly refers to physical body. Generally, generally men can overpower their wives. We see it all the time in the news, the negative side of that. And, and Peter, again, is condemning physical abuse here. He's saying, understand, men, that you're physically stronger than your wife. Understand that and live accordingly. Be gentle. But, but not only from physical strength, listen, and again, building on what we saw last week, women are generally weaker in their position of authority as compared to men. Listen, who generally is in a more vulnerable spot? The person who's leading or the person who has to submit to leadership? The person who has to submit. And, and that's why, again, Peter for six verses talks about women and their roles because their position was very vulnerable. They're having to follow. Men, men in that culture and even today have rights and privileges that made it very much in that day easier to be a man. It was easier to be a man then. And again, women were treated by society less than how God designed. And God is telling Christian men here, understand your wife. Understand the vulnerable position that they might be in. Men had more social privileges than women. And he's saying, men, understand that. Understand that. Weaker here is not about worth. It's not about value. This is about being different and it's about God's design. And think about this. Here are some illustrations. Think about this. Think about a thermos that you might take to work. And think about your fine china. Is one more valuable than the other? Well, you don't, you, the thermos is valuable in its own part. You don't take fine, you're not sitting on the construction site tipping, sipping tea. But you know what? You, 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 a, fine, a thermos serves this purpose. And a fine china serves the purpose of sitting in a cabinet and never being touched. And if you're in my family, you need like eight sets of that stuff that never gets touched. And then your mother-in-law wants to give you more. I'm like, no, 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 no. We don't want what we have. That's a different topic. I'll talk to Corey about that. We can cancel. Listen, they're made differently on purpose. You understand what I'm saying? A thermos and fine china, they're made differently on purpose. You think about a, a, I, the other day I was at, at Dick's Sporting Goods and, and a guy drove up in a red convertible Ferrari. Okay, it got my attention. And you know where he parked it? At the very back of the parking lot. No cars were around him. I, I thought about that as I was preparing this. You think about a 4x4 pickup truck, a work truck. I, I, think, about, I think about Will's work truck. You treat your work truck the same as he treats that Ferrari? No. No. Matter of fact, if you showed up on the site and your, Ferrari, and your work truck was polished and vacuumed and crystal clean, they'd make fun of you. It's different. But listen, both a 4x4 pickup truck and a Ferrari, they're made differently. They're made for different purposes. Is one worth more than the other? Depends on the job. Depends on the job. You need to pull somebody out of a ditch? Don't call that brother with a Ferrari. Call Will. You want to drive down the street and get people to look at you? Get the guy with a Ferrari. 
I was driving down 54 the other day, and this is probably a bad testament, but a Ferrari pulled up next to me, and I'm like, what? I took a picture of it while I was driving. Shh, don't tell my wife. And I texted it to somebody at the light. I did text it at the light. But I'm like, if I don't take this picture right now, it's gone. Now, I don't do that when I'm driving the kids or anything like that for student camp. I'm just telling you. I mean, like, they're different. I would say it's like skinny jeans or regular jeans, but nobody should wear skinny jeans. So, unless you're a girl. So, guys, get rid of them. But you see the difference. You see the difference. Like, I'm skinny enough. I don't need to make it obvious. But, but you, see, you see what Peter is saying here? It's different. Men and women are different. That's all he's saying. And they're, they're made that way by God's design. And you see it on your handout, through an understanding of their wives, husbands are to honor their wives and their distinctions. As a fellow heir of God's grace, the word honor here, listen, the word honor here, it literally means to give preference. It, it literally means to protect, to handle with care. Like you would do fine china. You see the point? A husband can't be a, a tyrant. He can't be an overbearing jerk. Again, he's literally saying, a husband, you should have no greater respect out of reverence for God. You should have no greater respect than for the woman that God has given you to live with and to care for. Literally no greater respect. All out of reverence for God. She is a fellow heir of the grace of life. She has been, if she's a believer, she has been bought with a price. She belongs to God. Again, regardless of worth, regardless of beliefs. Again, do you see how Peter is elevating the wife here? Nothing about this is, is demeaning to a wife. Nothing about this is demeaning. Peter is, through the inspiration of the, of the Holy Spirit, Peter is elevating wives to positions that the society they lived in knew nothing about. And you know what he's saying? Husbands, you as a leader have been given the responsibility to make sure that your wife is treated carefully and graciously and, and, and in doing so, you will make much of your God. In doing so, you will declare the excellencies of your God. And this was weird then, it's weird today. I promise, husbands, if we would just simply do this, the world would take notice of Christianity in an amazing way if we would simply love our wives sacrificially as Christ loves the church. If we would make it our business to make much of our wives, to live with our wives in an understanding way, to, to just serve her, give yourself up for her, I promise you, this world would be changed. Now, I'm not saying that's how, no, we still want Jesus to come. We would make an impact. Husbands sacrificing for their wives. The Bible, you see it, the Bible is teaching husbands that they are not to lead independently of their wife and how God created them. You lead thinking about how your wife has been wired. You make your decisions. You always, husband, 
always take the disposition of your wife into account when you're making decisions. Financial decisions, work decisions, all those things. See, so some of our wives may be risk-averse. Some of our wives may not care. Other wives may be very, very sensitive to money. And so, you know what, husbands? Live according to your wife. So, some may want to know everything that you do. Some may not. So, I mean, my wife has a tracker on my phone that tells her everywhere I am. Little what? There's part of me that's like, what? You don't trust me? But she needs that. It's not that she doesn't trust me. It's, 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 there's, a, there's something else. Please hear without disposing her. There's something else, but she needs that. When I'm out late at night and when I'm in a meeting that goes on longer and, and, and these things and she wants to know where I am, she just looks at him and says, okay, he's sitting at the church. He's not sitting alongside the road somewhere. She needs that. And so, you know what, Karen? Put it on my phone. Put it on my phone. If that helps you, put it on my phone. Living with your wife in an understanding way. And, and treat your wife as a sister in Christ. Again, even now, boys. All the girls that are here, you're single. All the girls around you, treat them as a sister in Christ. Protect them. Cherish them. Honor them. Learn to do it now. Open doors now. Hold an umbrella up for them now. Protect them with your words now. Learn how to talk with them graciously and gently now. And husbands, if you have a wife, listen, you do the same. And you model for your boys. You model for your boys how to take care of girls. You model for your daughter what to look for in a husband. She's watching. And again, you want to know what real beauty is? You want to know what real attractiveness is? It's right here. It's right here. Lastly, husbands are commanded, and I'm building these. They're getting longer because I'm building on them, so forgive me. I don't want us to forget what we've already said. Husbands are commanded to seek with their, lives, their wives in an understanding way out of reverence for God, knowing that while God created men and women differently and that our wives are fellow heirs of the grace of life, listen, there are consequences to our own relationship with God if we fail to obey these commands. I, I read a quote by Tony Evans, and he said this, Spiritual leadership is God telling the woman to duck so he can punch the man. You know, we, we live in a society, and even as men, we've, we, we, in churches, we've made this all about the women, but really, this is everything to do with what God is doing through the man. It starts at the top. Forming, him, forming the man, teaching the man, molding the man. Spiritual, spiritual leadership is not a license to do what you want. It's an enabling to do what you ought to do out of reverence for God. God is enabling you to do what you ought to do, not necessarily what you want to do. And again, reverence for God. This is not about what the man, or what, I mean, this is not about what the woman can or cannot do. Listen, this is about what men are called to do but don't do. It's not about, again, I'll say that again, it's not about what women cannot do. This is about what men are called to do but don't do. And men, I... I Spiritual leadership, and this is one of my favorite words. If you ask me what it means to be a man, 
It's this word. It's the next feeling, responsibility. Spiritual headship, spiritual godly man is taking responsibility for your family. We're real good at passing the buck. Go back to Genesis. The woman you gave me. No, no. Adam, you didn't step up. God gave you the command not to eat from that fruit, not to eat from that fruit. Adam, Eve wasn't even there when God told him that. It was Adam's job to lead Eve, and he didn't. It's taking responsibility. It's not the woman you gave him. It's about your failure to lead. And I'm not trying, forgive me for being strong and blunt, but listen, guys, in general, we don't do a good job with this. And there are huge ramifications. And, and he says it. Live with, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she is a woman and show her honor as the fellow of her rest of life. Listen, so that your prayers will not be hindered. When men do not live with their wives in an understanding way, their prayers are hindered. You think about this. When, when, we, when we approach God in prayer, we're acknowledging our powerlessness. We're acknowledging, we, we we're submitting. We're, we're saying, God, you can, I cannot. We're pleading for him to provide something that we cannot. Prayer, again, and do you see the position? You think you're going to go to God that way and not treat your wife accordingly? You're going to expect God to hear you when you're not hearing your wife who's doing the same thing? You see what he's saying? He's saying, treat your wife accordingly. In prayer, listen, in prayer, you and I are the weaker vessel. Agreed? You see what he's saying? So you think you're going to come as a weaker vessel and expect something and then not give it to your wife? We're acknowledging in prayer that we're the weaker vessel. And it's a violation of love, listen, to treat your wife any way other than what we see here. And God says, I will hide my face from that husband. And this would have been huge, again, in Peter's day. To have God hide his face, to not commune with daily. Listen, they truly needed God every day for their daily bread. And, and this, this import, you know, who knows how much we even pray. And so we read that, we're like, well, I didn't have that big of a deal. No, no, in this day and culture... To have God turn his face basically meant death. They needed God every single moment of every day. They knew it. And, and what this tells us is that when, we're, when we use our position of authority to serve ourselves rather than God or our wives, God will not enable and he will not honor that. He will not. You see it on your handout. When husbands use their position of authority to serve themselves, God will not supply that attitude with his provision. You run roughshod over your wife, you treat your wife as disposable, God's going to, he's going to turn a deaf ear. It's hypocritical. And and Peter is teaching us, you see it there, that that the well-being of the Christian household depends on the man recognizing the female as a co-heir. And, and think about the gospel, guys. Again, I, I try. I don't always part, do a good job. I, think about the gospel. This is perfect picture of the gospel. God is in a position of authority and power. Agreed? He is the sovereign one. He's the powerful one. He is strong. And he uses that power to serve the weak. You th- I thought about Matthew 20, 28. Con- uh, 
uh, for, for, for the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I mean, God used his power. He took on flesh. He humbled himself, Philippians 2, to the point of a servant, even death on a cross, to serve sinners and debtors like you and I. You grasp that? He didn't do it for those who were worthy, for those who deserved it. He did that for those who were, who were held captive to sin, who were, who were enemies. And if you truly believe the gospel, men, then you ought to live in light of the gospel and live in light of the fact that your debt, your sin debt was first paid. That the King of kings, Lord of lords, humbled himself, used his power to take on flesh. Probably nothing more condescending than God taking on flesh and then dying. And you know who he did that for? For sinners. You know what Peter's saying? Look, look at the gospel that you've supposedly been saved by and go do likewise. Take your cues. Take your cues from God, men. And again, not that we're going to be perfect. Not, but listen, this is a big deal. In light of God becoming a servant and taking on flesh and serving when he could have demanded to be served, you go do likewise, men. And you see it, men, take your position of authority and use it to serve God and our wives as we have first been served in the gospel. This is how we can be weird. This is how you make much of God in a foreign world. And this is a call, as we saw last week, you see it there, to social transformation within the Christian community and allowing our lives to be weird. This is all about God. This is all about making much of God. This is about you and I seeking to live our lives with an apologetic and an evangelistic mindset so that nothing we do gives Christ a bad name amongst unbelievers. Be, be the husband God's called you to be. Why? So that Christ's name will not be maligned through your life. Be the husband God's called you to be by the power of the Spirit in you so that the enemy has nothing bad to say about Christianity through your life. No matter the context, no matter the culture, no matter your wife. Work it out. We, we're we're going to be a church, no matter what it costs us, no matter how many people leave, no matter how we grow or don't grow, we're going to stand firm on what God has commanded regarding the home. We're going to stand firm regarding the commandments. We're going to come to this word, and by the power of the Spirit in us, by the grace given to us, just like he's going to say in 1 Peter 5, 12, we're going to stand firm on grace and we're going to seek to align our lives with this word, no matter how costly or painful that is. Period. And listen, what my hope would be is that we would do it together. That we as men would, would see us together in this. And when one of us is struggling, we'd come alongside him and we'd encourage him and that we as men would be humble enough to receive that encouragement. And I pray that we'd do it for the wives too. Because listen, all of us men, do you feel, you feel like you've fallen short? Listen to me, all have fallen short. Starting with this man right here. That's part of why we gather here. To encourage one another. 
Stand firm in the grace of God. Persevere. We, we, wanna, we oftentimes want to prove Christian right by being smarter or arguing theology. And listen, there's a place for that. How about you prove Christianity right by living with your wife in an understanding way? How about you prove Christianity right by sacrificing yourself on behalf of others? All to the grace of God and the glory of God. Standing firm in the grace of God. Our marriages, listen, our marriages are meant to be a convincing apologetic to a lost world. He has designed, God has designed marriage to be a picture of Christ's relationship with the church. Huge ramifications for not doing this. Grace, generosity, preference for one another. Listen, that's a huge apologetic. Huge apologetic. I, I pray that we'd be that church. And I, I pray, again, as always, do not mistake my energy or passion. I'm not mad about it. I, I am angry at Satan and his effects. But, guys, we have an opportunity here. Not only to change our own homes, but to change the world for the good of the gospel. I'm not saying the whole world's going to be saved by our homes, but listen to me. Our lives are to be apologetics for the gospel, a defense of the gospel. So that when we tell them about the gospel, it lines up with what we've, they've already seen through our lives. 